Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm, East Tennessee's premier DUI defense, criminal defense, and personal injury law firm. If you find yourself needing legal representation this year, do the smart thing. Call the best team in East Tennessee, the Garza Law Firm, at 865-540-8300. That's 865-540-8300. GarzaLaw.com. You can chat with somebody 24-7. Before you say guilty, say Garza. We appreciate Marcos and his team for their continued support. The Garza Law Firm. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. (laughs) But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. <laughs> Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on extra point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch. We are in the summertime. SEC media days are going on. Feels like football, not really football, but we'll talk some football. We'll take a lot of questions today. Seth joins us down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? Not much, John. Good to be here. It's good to hear your voice as usual. How's it hanging? Good. It's good. It's warm outside. It's hot. Boy, is it. But uh, it's it's a little overblown, right? It's yeah, overblown. I'm able to go out. Well, you know, I don't want to say it's overblown because I'm not out working in the fields anymore. So, like, I imagine it's hot for all of our brothers and sisters who are out in the field working. The only time I've really been outside is just to walk to my car or, you know, I, I get extended about an hour and a half of pickleball. It's hot for that. I stay hydrated, but an hour and a half of exercise playing in the shade. Half of it's shaded. I make sure I have a cool towel, uh, a drink. I know when I have to take Frank outside, it's hot. I get more irritated. Five minutes outside taking the dog out is, irritates me more than an hour and a half of being outside playing sports. For sure. I mean, if that's the thing. If you're going to be outside when it's hot, you at least want to, like, if I want to be outside when it's when it's hot, well, I want to be outside doing something that's going to make me sweat. I don't want to be outside not doing something that's going to make me sweat. That just, that, just, that just annoys me. I want to be voluntarily sweating. Being outside involuntarily sweating is no good. Because I sweat when I take Frank out, but it's just involuntary. 1,000%. Like, I, I, I sweat um, pretty badly on the way home from work. It was a hundred red 105 degrees in my car when I got in. And uh, when I got out, I, I'd, I'd sweat some. That's annoying to me. That's annoying to me. The worst to me is whenever I take a shower, then have to go back out, then I sweat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like never. Yeah, it's, yeah I know. It drives me insane. I, I try to go, like, at the end, just really hammer the cold part of the shower, hoping that it will kill some of my body's humidity or whatever makes it sweat. But... Last Wednesday, I did a pickleball session, and then me and some of our brothers were playing trivia 
and I had to go to the YMCA and shower, and it was like, you know, 6.30. It was really, really hot, and I'm just drenched in sweat, just absolutely drenched as I walk to my car and as I'm sitting there. I was like, it defeated the whole purpose of the shower, but I couldn't stop it. I was just uncontrollably just drenched. I understand. I, I, I sympathize with you immensely. It's terrible. So, yeah, I don't want to say it's overrated because I'm not actually having to be out in it all day like some people. So, like when my mom hears this, she's going to be very mad as someone who is like, you know, drives for UPS. It's always out there. She's going to be like, oh, you don't think it's very hot? Try getting in the back of the truck where it's like 140 degrees. Which those trucks don't even have air conditioning. Now they have to. Now, like the union, apparently the union said, hey, we got to put AC in there. So, coming soon. To the UPS trucks, air condition. Good. They should. They should have air conditioning. So, anyways, what's up? Not much. Media days do anything for you? I thought it was funny that Jimbo Fisher still would not like agree to to Bobby Petrino being his play caller. So he was asked about it and said, "Like, no, we're just kind of collabing on it, or what?" He said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give away. He basically said that he's not going to call plays for Texas A&M and then went on to say, we're not going to give away any schematic details. Or It was a very weird, it's like, it was a very weird response. Um, so in his mind, if he tells everyone Bobby Petrino is calling plays, people go and scout Bobby Petrino's best offenses and last stops to see what he's doing. Is that what Jimbo Fisher's acting like? I guess, but it's like, I mean, I don't know. Like the idea of Bobby Petrino in 2023, it just is always seemed a little far fetched to me that he's gonna like resuscitate this offense and like turn it around. Um, but I, I don't really know what what the the he says. He's he said hopefully he'll call the game and have suggestions. He was hired for a reason. Tremendous guy, tremendous football mind. Hopefully he'll call the game and have suggestions. Then he said, um, he also said we're not going to give away any schematic details or whatever. I thought that was the most. The only other thing of note was uh, Brian Kelly all of a sudden getting on his moral high horse and castigating Pat Fitzgerald over what went down in Pat's locker room and how you have to have accountability when you're the face of the program. That was a little rich. Like, dude... Like you're like Brian Kelly of all people is 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 coming out here and saying this. He basically threw Pat Fitzgerald under the bus. Other than that, um, no, there's nothing of note. SC Media Days is boring. Yeah, yeah. I was talking today about you know what's the big storyline. There's there used to be at least one big thing, and this year it's, it's there's not really anything. Greg Sankey no. pitched about the states undercutting the NCAA on NIL, but that was about it. Yeah, I mean, I guess like. Is Joe Milton the most, like... He'll probably come out as the biggest star, I would say. He, he might be the most interesting person at Media Days. I would say that he's going to of... come out there looking really good, and I'm sure he'll have some things to say. And and, and what were you going to say in terms of what? Well, he's the starting quarterback on, like, a, you know, a quasi-top-10 team, top-12 team. He lost his job a couple years ago, but actually stuck around. He's basically, he's magnetic. He's the definition of magnetic and charismatic. I could see him being the most interesting person there in general. Um, I mean, everyone else, like, who even moves the needle, really? 
Yeah, I don't want to hear from K.J. Jefferson. I don't want to hear from Will Rogers. Like, there's no other quarterbacks that'll be – like, Georgia's not taking their quarterbacks there, I wouldn't imagine. I mean, I know they've already done it. I didn't see even who they took. I imagine they just kind of had some linemen, linebackers maybe. But, yeah, Hollywood Joe has a chance to be the star of the SEC. There's a lot of turnover at the quarterback position or just guys that, like I just mentioned, that aren't very interesting. So he has a chance to go out there and kind of, you know, preach a message like about being persistent and, you know, being willing to get knocked down and get back up a couple times, right? It happened at Michigan, happened at Tennessee. So, like, the NCAA might want to promote Joe Milton from that regard. And yeah, also, I mean, like, yeah, like you say, he's just magnetic. And, of course, there's be, there'll be a lot of questions about how far he could throw a football and how far he could throw a tennis ball and, and stuff like that. But there's just not a lot of star power right now in the SEC. Agree, agree. Hey, Joe Milton definitely has uh, the most potential for sure to be a star. I mean, he's just, you know, we know how cool he is. Oh, at all. SC Media Days are just boring, man. I, they're just boring. Well, this like, is what I was talking about last week. It feels like football's here, but I find this part to be especially dreadful. So, tomorrow, we're, we're recording this right now on Tuesday. Tomorrow, five-star wide receiver Mac Matthews commits. We think he's coming to Tennessee, right? Yeah, I feel more confident about him than I do Edwin Spillman on Friday or Saturday, the in-state linebacker, who I think Tennessee will get, but I think – He's just flirted with Ohio State for so long now when his brother's on the team at Tennessee that I think Mike Matthews is – I think people feel really, really, really good about Mike Matthews. I mean, VolQuest was watching him practice this week. That is uh, typically a big tell. That they are getting a commitment video ready, basically? Yeah, that's typically a big tell. They might come out and say that they didn't have the video, they didn't record it then, and they might not have. That's just typically a big tell when VolQuest starts going to high schools – kind of randomly that's that's typically a big tell so yeah i expect tennessee to get him so that'll be a nice little boost the next couple weeks of recruiting a big deal outside of that i don't really have anything new in football to talk about do you no i don't think anything's happened in football yeah there's nothing you need to get off your chest no takes you want to get on record no no Based. I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I find myself getting excited for it, too. It's it's really cool that, like, Tennessee fans can be excited. I, I know uh, my best friend Luke texted me that um, that the UTSA game is already sold out. 5 p.m. start sounds kind of miserable, but. Yeah, and I told him, I said, you know, I'm just happy that Tennessee fans, like, ha- are excited again. I'm happy they have a football team that they can get excited about for a long time we didn't have anything to get excited about and now you know we do it's really fun it's really fun when football is good so i'm just excited about it in general the win total has been set at nine over under push what do you think uh i would take the over if i was a betting man yeah if i'm a if i was a betting man which I've been known to dabble. I, I just don't see how you would make the case for eight wins, which is what you need to. That's the thing. That's the, yeah, to that's win the bet. Yeah. You could tell me Tennessee goes nine and three, but that just means it's a push. If the if the over under was nine and a half, I would say okay, I could see the scenario for the under because you play Alabama, you play Georgia, you slip up one more time, boom, there's there's nine and three, you win. 
but uh, slip up twice, that would be tough. That would be tough. But on the other hand, I, I don't know how much value there is in betting Tennessee to go 10-0 and in those other games. So I don't know if there's any value in taking the over at, at 9-3 and because winning 10 games is going to be hard. Yeah, you're right. There's not much value to it. But I would I would bet Tennessee ten and two. I mean, I could see Tennessee beating Alabama. I, I for sure, and I, I could see us winning at home against Georgia. I, I could see those for sure. If you think that though, you could get just bet on Alabama, bet on the bet on the spread that game, bet on the money line that game. It'd be two to one. The Georgia game is probably gonna be a little bit underdog too. So like, you'd have chances to kind of do the same thing. I really am like the, the I really am so intrigued about Alabama's quarterback. I mean. It's just you go back and you watch some of those games that they had last year, and like Bryce Young was pretty bad against LSU, but uh, he kept them. He was just a one-man show. I really am. On paper, they have one of the most talented rosters ever, right? When you look at the other positions, and you, and you're just comparing it to like recruiting rankings. Like I think I would still like if I had a vote in the SEC media days, I would still pick them to win the West. Yeah, unfortunately, um, you've lost your vote for life. Unfortunately, I don't have a vote, but I would pick them to win the win the West over LSU. Still, I just don't. I'm not sure LSU is quite there yet, but I am still. I could still. You can still easily see Alabama just not being. You know, they lost Bryce Young. What what more needs to be said? Man, old man Saban might be slipping a little bit. Yeah, he can't get who he wants as his coordinators. You know, I mean, he's get he's getting turned down for both. Well, he can't hire the defensive coordinator that he wants, and he got turned down on offensive coordinator by the guy at Washington. Um, you know, not too many Notre Dame fans were upset that Tommy Reese left. Yeah, not too many Notre Dame fans were were that upset. That's usually a, a decent indication. Not always, but. All the coaches that we've had that we know that are either good or bad, usually that plays out. Very rarely has a guy left here that I've been like, oh, he was really good, and he ended up sucking. Or, oh, man, that guy sucked, and he ended up being really good. Usually the local fans got a pretty good idea. You talked about not being able to get who he wants as coordinators. Jeremy Pruitt's attached to that. Any thoughts on the news dump from last week, the you know, the, the punishment, the non-punishment, basically just a fine – Although I, I am a little sad about the 11 vacated wins knocking us out of the top 10 all time. I, that does bother me a little bit. It was a vindication of Dante Plowman's um, entire plan and her lightning quick response and basically the entire scheme to fire him with calls to not pay the buyout money. Um, it was a vindication of her. I mean... I think that at the time when it happened, like, I, it annoyed me. I think, like, what annoyed me so much about it going back was that Tennessee wouldn't just fire him because he sucked. However, now that we have all the information and we have the 200 violations and the 18 level one violations that <laughs> they committed, um, they it was a vindication of Don Day Plowman and their, her plan. Basically, everything that she's done since she fired Jeremy Pruitt and fired Philip Fulmer, she's been vindicated on. 
Yeah, it was shocking to me. Well, maybe not shocking. Shockingly annoying to me that half the media was saying that, wow, Tennessee got off really easily. Wow, I can't believe Tennessee didn't get the hammer dropped on them. While also being like, wow, Tennessee really embarrassed themselves by just not giving Jeremy Pruitt his buyout and going to court over this. Because I think we played it exactly right. Yeah, we spent a bunch of money you know, on lawsuits, and yeah, we have a couple punishments and fines and all that. I, I get that. But at the same time, the NCAA, you know, basically was like, okay, you're free to go. No big deal here. No bowl ban. No death penalty. No real, you know, punishment. I thought we played it pretty well. Perfectly. The idea that, that Tennessee embarrassed themselves – by letting this go to the NCAA and having this stuff come out is laughable. The only people that think Tennessee embarrassed themselves are people that dislike Tennessee, i.e. Alabama fans, Florida fans, Georgia fans, you know, fans that are coping, and journalists that dislike Tennessee uh, as an institution, you know, or they dislike Tennessee's fans. Tennessee didn't embarrass themselves because Tennessee just won the Orange Bowl, and Tennessee is again right there on the cusp of being ranked in the top 10 this preseason. Like, Tennessee football is an amazing place. Like, nothing embarrassed. There is nothing. There is absolutely nothing embarrassing about Tennessee's program. In fact, Hinnon Hooker was like the, like, Hinnon Hooker was exactly like what you wanted to be the face of your program. You know, and now they have Joe Milton, who is charismatic and magnetic and everyone loves. Another great face of the program. Like, this idea that Tennessee embarrassed themselves is, is just so stupid. It's stupid. Like, nobody's embarrassed by it. Like, Tennessee didn't get the bowl ban. That's all that matters because Tennessee has a chance to go to the playoff. You can say it's an outside chance, okay, but it's still a chance. A really good chance next year. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. In 12 months from now, like, Tennessee has a great chance to go to the playoff. But even this year, like, you can make an argument for Tennessee to go to the playoff. It's not crazy. So the fact that it's not crazy means that everything they did, they've been vindicated on because they did not have the bowl ban. It was genius. And now Brent Hubbs made this point, so this is not an original point by me. I would not have come up with it on my own. But he made a great point, I thought, on his podcast today, basically saying, like, when Josh Heupel took the job, one— they knew about all this stuff because they've been internally investigating. And two, Tennessee lost like 30 players to the portal. And so, you know, the the urge to just take whoever you could get in the portal was probably really strong because you lost everyone. But they decided we're going to go ahead and start penalizing ourselves now. Which, when you've lost 30 players to the portal, the idea of telling your first-year head coach, who wasn't a very beloved hire at all, hey, we think it's wise that you go ahead and penalize yourself willingly. And he did it. He did it, and it all worked out. And it worked out, strangely enough, because Jeremy Pruitt got you Hendon Hooker, but it worked out, and now you only have to give up two scholarships a year for the next five years. Nobody cares about that. That doesn't matter. Nothing about it was embarrassing. It was funny. Like, I found it funny. I found the George Floyd line by Jeremy Pruitt hysterical. I found Shelton Felton telling that guy, hey, we don't do anything on our state-issued phones. 
and then proceeding to text him on his state-issued phone, it's all about the Benjamins funny. I found it funny. What about Nita Meyer sharing a bank account with his parents and being on uh, oath talking, being under oath talking about how much his parents hate his ex girlfriend? Yeah, pre- that's pretty. It's pretty embarrassing. He is like married to Lance Thompson's daughter now, right? Yeah, it's a different girl from whenever. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it was the dark headed girl when he was in Knoxville. She's a pretty girl. I just thought it was funny. He was like, "Yeah, my parents don't really like her," which uh, so I'm taking all this money out to get cash to make my parents not think that I'm doing shady stuff, even though like I'm making big withdrawals, a lot of them, and not putting the money back. The cash-driven lifestyle line by Jeremy Pruitt was good. I mean, that's a classic line. I live a cash-driven lifestyle. Like The amount of withdrawals that were four or five digits that he and his wife had was astronomical. A cash-driven lifestyle. When you don't even pay for the car that you drive, dude. You have a you have a university issued vehicle. Like, what are you paying cash for? He should have bought. He should have bought some livestock. He should have. He should have invested in like having ten cows, and then you could just say, "Yeah, I buy and sell cows." I thought the cash driven lifestyle was a uh, was a good line. Because I remember being a kid, and like my dad is having trash bags full of cash because he did live a cash driven lifestyle. He was constantly buying things with it. Jerry Pruitt. Doesn't really have that same lifestyle. He should have said he was farming, buying and selling the only, things. The, the one question that I've had repeatedly during this is, what's up with the nail salon? Why were they spending so much money at nail salons? Is that for the players' moms? I guess the players' moms and girlfriends would make sense. I mean, that's the only thing that made sense to me when I saw it. I mean, they acted like they were basically keeping this one nail salon in business. Now there could also be some deal that they have some kickback where they pay yeah. for a service and then get a refund in cash or something like that. Yeah. They kind overcharge of the money them or something. Yeah, they overcharge them and give them uh, a kickback cash. I, I don't know exactly. I just that that nail salon kept coming up. I mean, it just none of the people involved appear to be especially intelligent. I mean, they looked like a bunch of guys that were coaching high school football not that long ago, which they all were. They all were. I mean, all of them were, like, coaching high school football not that long ago, except maybe Moose. Maybe Moose, he came from, like, lower divisional college football, I guess. Like, Sheldon Felton was in high school football. Big Germ was obviously in high school football. I mean. I just want to know what Nick Saban thinks and Kirby Smart thinks. Yeah. I like how Kirby was like, I had no idea Tennessee was paying Darnell Washington. Like, I mean, obviously, like, we, we know that college football recruits get paid. I don't even care about Georgia getting in trouble for that because that feels like something we all know. We just got caught doing it. We just were so dumb doing it. So, like, it's I don't want to see other people punished for something we all are okay with. But it is – I do wonder what Saban and Kirby think when they read that. Like, man, you were here with me for how many years learning how to do it and not get – you know, have any type of ripples – how could you go up there and just fuck it up so badly in two years? Did you not learn anything while working with me? Because Georgia, Kirby obviously learned how to do it under Saban. He hasn't had any like, issues other than like players like going fast and like driving fast. Isn't it like it's insane? Like you said, two years, but it it was like ten months, dude. Like we were in a good spot when we won that Gator Bowl. I'm sure the cheating was going on before them, but like yeah, it, it just, it's just insane. It just all came crashing down. 
it's just insane how quickly it unraveled. Like, that's always been, like, in it, I say 10 months, it was even less than that. It was basically halftime of the Georgia game. We had the second longest win streak in the country after the, after the Gator Bowl. We had that big goal line stand in Athens, and after that it was just, it was nothing but pain. <laughs> but it led nothing us, but pain. But it led us to Big Josh and yep, Danny. That's correct. And Danny got lucky. Every now and then you have to have some luck. Danny got lucky that Tony the Tiger told him no. And the rest is history. Yep, he did get extremely lucky. And it was about time Tennessee got lucky. We've always talked about the coaches that we barely missed. Jay Wright, Gary Patterson, Lincoln Riley as a coordinator. But damn it, this time we, we, we missed out on a guy that would have been an absolute lemon. And, you know, Danny White would not be a king here. No, he would not be. He would we, be. We would not be talking about fireworks shows and stuff. He might already be, like, fired by now. We, yeah, we would not be talking about light shows and stuff. We would be so mad that they haven't broken ground on the baseball renovations because that's all we'd have. Yeah, the, 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 he probably, I mean, I guess maybe Rick would still be around, but we'd be coming off of, like, a five and seven, six and six football season back to back, if that. If Tony could have even gotten to five wins in 2021. Sometimes it takes a little luck. And Tony said no. Tony said no. Let's get to some Patreon questions. Patreon.com slash Reads Ranch. Shout out to a current patron that upped his pledge. Barrister Vall went from a $5 patron to a $10 patron. Shout out to Brother Barrister. Guess he made partner at his law firm. We love you and appreciate you. We, you know, I, I gotta say, me and him, we took in the Alabama game together. We'll, ne- we'll be, never be able to take that away from us, that memory we have. But also, like, I give him credit because joining the Discord at this time is is a little tricky. It's intimidating. I can't imagine joining something that's been going on for what five years now, and yeah. trying to learn people's inside jokes and all that and. You know, people tried to bully him off, and he said no, and he's carved out his lane. I give people like I, that credit that don't give up, because some people join like, okay, I can't handle this, and they're gone. Tip of the cap to BV. He's built different. He's a lawyer. He's a bulldog in the he's a bulldog in the courtroom. BV is BD. He's a bulldog in the courtroom. One of our many. We we have a fleet of lawyers. I don't know if he's. Yeah, we, we I don't know if he's still practicing law either. Well, he's a barrister. I mean, he he's still a lawyer. Okay. You know, is that what like is, that, is barrister lawyer? Is that what that means? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's I, like the English term. For I it. am a moron. I had no clue. Um. Yeah. Let's have some questions. Brother Marwan, aka Wheezy, asks: More regular season wins this year, Titans or Vols? If I'm actually betting money, I'd probably bet the Titans. Who do they match up with? Like they're uh, they're the second place. They're a second place schedule. They don't have to play most of the big teams. We also get the NFC South. NFC South, okay. Plus, I mean, seventeen games compared. to So many 12. more games. Yeah, I, I think they're both going to probably end up. I mean, I think if ten, the Vols end up around ten, then will the Titans get there? I don't know. I, I think the Titans are going to be better than everyone thinks. I mean, I'm trying not to be too high on them because I don't want to sound too much like a, a homer. But I'll take the five extra games. 
It's not that tough of a schedule. And I haven't given up on Ryan Tannehill. And signing DeAndre Hopkins has got me pretty pumped. Mike Vrabel said that he thinks they can beat anybody in the league. I've seen Mike Vrabel cook. I've seen him win some games. I still think Houston and Indianapolis suck. That's four of your, you know, four of your games. I don't know. It's close, though. It's close. I think they'll both get 10. Brother DF asks. I get, I get, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because, I mean, like, I guess realistically, the, the Vols floor just seems so much higher. Like we talked about, like, nine. Yeah. It should win nine. It should win eight at the very least. The Titans could very easily lose a bunch of games and not get to eight wins. So, I guess if I was actually betting – I changed my I changed my opinion. I bet on the Vols just because I think. Do we have do we, do we have an opening week line for the Titans? At, uh, three at New Orleans? plus three. I think they're going to win that game. If they don't win that game, could you see them starting out zero and four? If they don't win that game, they come home and play the Chargers. Then they're at the Browns and home for Cincinnati. If they don't win that game, yeah, I mean you could easily tell me they go zero and four. I don't think they would, but if they go zero and four. Then, you know, you're starting to talk about benching Tannehill and, you know, letting seeing what you got in Levis or, or Willis and kind of just tanking the season, it would feel like. You, Is it, you'd go in the next game the, against the, the Colts, backup? of course, but what are you going to say? Who's the backup? Who's the backup? Malik Willis or Will Levis. It'll probably be Malik Willis going into the season, honestly. It'll be, it'll be Malik Willis. But I don't know. If, if Tannehill doesn't play, like, the team's going to be one of the worst in the league. So just because of the higher floor, I'll actually change my vote and I'll bet on the, on the Vols to win more games. Just because I don't see DF. any scenario where we don't win at least seven. And I see a lot of scenarios where the Titans don't win seven. Yeah. All right, Brother Dylan question. asks, what is your favorite summer activity? Swimming. I love laying by the pool. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a – it's timeless, right? Yep. I love that. I just love getting a little bit of sun and getting in the water. Now, I think the older I get, the the more annoying this damn swimmer's ear has gotten, so I don't know how much I'm going to get in the pool anymore and do flips and stuff, but just floating around on, on a little tube, getting inside the little tube and just putting your elbows up on the on the sides and just doggy paddling around with your legs, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. I can't Mine be beat, really. Mine is going to the beach. Mine is going to the beach. Yeah, you go on a lot of beach trips. Brother brother Andrew, a.k.a. AJ, a.k.a. Seth Hughes Lover, asks, what's your favorite tree? The palm. Okay. Okay, good answer. Good answer. What is yours? I like a good, I like a good coconut tree. I don't like coconuts, but if I see a coconut tree, I know I'm somewhere good. I don't really like coconuts at all. Actually, I think coconuts are quite terrible as a fruit. In fact, cracking them open and eating them. Um, but imagine if you were it, starving out on a deserted oh, island yeah. and you found a coconut tree, though. You'd be so happy. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, You get a little food and a little water. For sure, you know. You know, the Comanches, when they, when they would get so thirsty on the high plains if they had no water, they would drink the blood out of their horse's stomach. They would drink blood from their horse to quench their thirst. Just a little, just a little tidbit there. Comanches were uh, pretty hardcore. So they'd just kill a horse and then just feast on it. They eat it too, or just drink the blood. 
They would they would eat it. Yeah, they would eat. Um, would they actually kill the horse or just cut it open a little bit and get some like get some juice out of it? I guess you'd have to kill it. Would, it the horse would the horse would be dead. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm reading a book about Napoleon right now, and I also in a his uh on his um ill-fated campaign to Russia to Moscow his the the grand army actually uh did the same thing apparently they uh they were drinking blood from a horse they were that hungry and thirsty that sounds gross but you got to do what you got to do i guess i guess the blood has some nutrients it's better than nothing yep i've never been that desperate before but Thankfully. Yeah, I hope I never am. I would just simply ride the horse to water. That's what I would do. <laughs> it makes sense. I'd just be like, hey, horse, you're an animal. Let your instinct lead us to a river somewhere. Yeah. You have survival instincts, too. Let's go find water. I mean, that's just how I would do, but I guess we've we've evolved a little bit, and I would imagine we're much smarter than those people were back in the day. Brother OG Matt asks, how does Auburn get a pass from the Big J's for being so shameless? Freeze and the rumors about Harson. when we know if this was Tennessee, we would be getting roasted. Yeah, I haven't seen any like real blowback on Hugh Freeze, really. I did, I thought... Besides Stephen Godfrey, him, maybe? Uh, who's such a chode, man. He's such a blowhard. Like, it's tough to take him seriously. Chode is the wrong, he's not a chode. He's just kind of seems like a blowhard. He just it's tough to take him seriously. I apologize, Stephen. You're not a chode, but I mean, just relax a little bit. It's just he hates Hugh Freeze. He despises Hugh Freeze like on a personal level. I'd say so. You always have to take that with you know a grain of salt. I did see Auburn getting like some pretty big pushback during the coaching hire of you know itself of hiring Hugh Freeze, but I didn't see much today. But I didn't look. They've also gotten made fun of a lot, too. Yeah. They got made fun of a lot for the Kevin Steele stuff, for what they did with Harson, And, you know, I think, I don't want to say they've gotten it bad, as bad as we would have, because I think we are the most loathed, you know, fan base in the SEC. Some of it we bring on ourselves. Uh, don't get me wrong, but some of it is they attack us and we fight back, and then it just kind of, kind of becomes a cycle. But Auburn gets made fun of a lot, too, I think. Uh, but what they did to Brian Harson was was absolutely terrible. Okay, it, it was the, horrible the fake to, affair. to insinuate that this man cheated on his wife. Uh, or you know, maybe Brian Harson and his wife have an open marriage. Maybe not. Maybe he cheats on her all the time. I don't know. But he didn't have an affair on his wife with this woman. To insinuate and possibly wreck a marriage, as well as like that girl had to go get a job somewhere else. Like, are you for sure it didn't happen? Has it came out that it like for sure didn't happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he's saying the rumors about Harson. That's what he's talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah I it just, didn't happen. I just didn't know that. Yeah. Like, it, it didn't happen. Okay. Um, was my understanding that it didn't happen? I mean, it's kind. But, of, I know, but it, it, that happened with Kiffin and and Saban's daughter. We tried to give Butch Jones a DUI. I mean, like it wasn't that over the top. Like. There were really big stories about Kiffin having sex with Nick Saban's daughter. 
Yeah, I don't think it was as big as this, though. I mean, the Saban daughter was, thing, I feel like was the DUI. No, was not. It's, it's Brian Harson in the affair. No, no, he's on. He's no, I don't think it was. That's not why he eventually got fired, though. I mean, he got fired because they kept him and then he just sucked. Yeah, they he didn't get fired because he basically was just too hard headed. He was like, I will coach one year at a place that absolutely loathes me because I'm that hard headed. That's why he didn't. That's why they had to. That's why he coached another year. He's he's he was that stubborn. I mean, they absolutely thought they were going to be able to run him out of town, and everyone was talking about it. I mean, he. I remember he was he was in Mexico on vacation during the whole thing, and you know Chris Lowe's calling him in Mexico, asking him about it, and you know he hey, he was hey, too hey, stubborn. Cover. Did you have sex with that girl? Yeah, I mean it was a huge deal. He was too. Hard-headed. He was like, I will coach somewhere that absolutely hates me, just because, basically. Well, I want my buyout, is why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm... You've seen that with Bob Huggins. You, you, you don't give up the buyout. You're going to see it with Pat Fitzgerald. you, you got to fight for the buyout. Very few coaches. I think, like, Mike Anderson's the only one that's like, yeah, you can fire me, and I'll give the money back. I don't need it. I sucked. My bad. Fitzger- I was so bad at this job. I think, can, I think Fitzgerald can get some money. I would imagine he can get... 10 million of his 42 million dollars like I, there's got to uh, be some room for settlement i don't know if they'll get all 42 but yeah just because they you know suspended him for 10 days or whatever it was at first and then basically because of public opinion we're like actually we're gonna fire you so i assume he can get some money i'm not sure bob huggins is gonna be able to get much money considering they have him showing up to campus and emptying out his office oh really they have so- the video of that <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if they have the video, but, like, they have witnesses and stuff. Like, he showed up in his pickup truck and started emptying out his office, like, the day after he met with the athletic director. Yeah. Yeah, it seems tough to come back from. The Bob Huggins saga has gotten sad. Yeah, I got pretty sad whenever his daughter had the big, long post about it. That kind of made me sad. And then, yeah, like, him just actually be like, actually, I didn't get fired. I didn't quit either. I'm coming to work. Yeah, then throw in that assistant who's like, that dude's been his assistant for like 16 years, and he's like, you know, I really at least wanted the opportunity to pick a coach that I thought was worthy of the West Virginia job. <laughs> it's like, this dude's been your lieutenant for 16 years, man. He probably feels like the guy snaked him, too. I'm sure. Brother I, big... That would suck to be Bob Huggins, because like, you're not ever going to get another job. You're just yeah. done. But you're also like 70. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just done. You're just going to drink yourself to yeah. death now. Yeah. Basically, brother Big Orange Sloth asks, "What is the temperature of our chili right now?" Uh, I think mine's been at like a six all off season. I've got mine turned down to about a five, just because I got to pace myself. Yeah, you have to. You can't let it get too hot. I right like now. to simmer, Sloth. I like to simmer. I quite um, frankly won't get fired up until the Florida game, personally. Like I know. I know some people are champing at the bit for Virginia. They'll show up and clap like seals for Austin P. But I will be pretty much the season starts for me against Florida. I hate that we kind of have two just tune up, two tune up games. So I'm at a five. The the the, the home the home slate is just it's not great. Home slate is not great. Um, I know having season tickets is cool, and if people are buying them, then yeah, you'll still make your money back. But like, I'll maybe go to A and M and then try to go to Georgia. Um, it's tough to get excited about the Virginia game. 
And who is our other game against? Who is the second Austin game? Austin P. At 5 p.m. And UTSA is at 5 p.m. too? Uh, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't think so, but I don't think they've given the time for UTSA yet. Okay. Okay. Um, Brother Parker asks, if you won the Powerball, how would you spend your winnings? I don't know. You see that big ranch in Yellowstone's going up for sale? No, I did not. Like a 30,000 acre cattle farm? I don't know if it's like what the show's based off of or what, but they said the family's had it for over like a century, and it's going up for sale. It's listed for, I think, $58 million. I think buying it would be cool. I mean, yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Unless, like, you like real-life Yellowstone, you got people, tribes, ops trying to take you down. Yeah. Wall Street. I just want to chill. I'd buy some something and just go somewhere and chill. I would buy a castle in Europe, um, probably in France. I would buy a compound. I would create a compound in the southeastern United States, and then I would buy a beach house. Somewhere. I would also then buy um, some sort of mid-90s Ford F-150, likely. Probably. I mean, you could buy your mid '90s Ford F one fifty right now, bro. I could, yeah. You don't but have, I'm not going. You to. don't have to wait to win the Powerball for that. No, I don't. But I'm not going to. But if I won the Powerball, I think I, I would think I would buy a truck of some sort. I don't want two cars right now. There's not really anything I look at that I'm like, oh, I really want that right now, other than just like a, a house somewhere. That's it. Just buy a house and just chill. Maybe. Couple girls to feed you grapes on call, but outside of that, you know, not hard to please. Anything else? Brother, uh, brother Oven asks over under 17 and a half combined regular season wins for the Vols and Titans. Over, Oven, over, over for sure. Nine and nine equals 18. To me, that's the most realistic. I don't want to say floor, but like nine and nine feels almost the bare minimum for me this year. G Man wants yeah. to know is the mirror react the most savage react on the cord? <laughs> it does hurt when you get hit with the it's mirror bad. react. It's pretty bad. But I think the speed limit probably still I think makes me the most angry. Brother David asks, what uh, cool period of history would I like to talk about today? Uh, the Napoleonic Wars in general, just the Napoleonic Wars. Do you like Napoleon so much because you're so short too? No, I just like, I think it's because Alexander and uh, Julius Caesar, like the historical sources are just, you have to take them with a grain of salt. Whereas here you can like really... You know that it's like it's just a you know it's not properly recorded history. It's not that long ago. I mean, it's a little over two hundred years ago. The Napoleonic Code is still in existence in like countless countries. I take it you're very excited for the Joaquin Phoenix movie. I'm extremely excited. When is that supposed to come out? Thanksgiving. Oh wow. Okay, so this year Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, that's coming up soon. Yeah. 
I'm extremely excited. It looks, uh, I think it looks very good. I think it looks very good. I think Ridley Scott's a good director. So yeah, Napoleon invented he he invented the core system. Did you know that? You didn't know that, but now you do. He invented he invented cores. What do you mean by core system? Like an army core. Oh okay. Like what like does that, that mean? Him. What is that system? It was basically like combining two divisions. So basically, you now had like one core would be like thirty thousand men at once. So, so now I got my wide could, receiving core over here and my running back core over here. He could. It allowed him to. Like a, a core would be highly mobile, but it would also be big enough to engage an entire army by itself, allowing him to use the other core to, you know, flank, go for the center wherever the weakest spot was. He was all about speed, 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 speed. They used to, his carriage on campaign would move so fast that they would have to pour water on the wheels as it was going. He was all about speed. Napoleon Bonaparte, fun, fast, and real. He was. He was. He wasn't even French. He was Italian. Do you think that everyone's made fun of him for being short just as a way to try to diminish him because history says he wasn't actually short for his time? Yeah, I think that's some of the English. I think that's some of the English. Like, a lot of the anti-Napoleon propaganda is from England because that was his, like, dude, like, he was not at war with England for, like, like, something like 20 months out of his entire reign. It was insane. Like, he was always, like, England was in every single coalition. So he just hated England. They hated him. They despised him. They, like, that's why he lost everything was because they wouldn't agree to a treaty. Like, Austria, Russia, Prussia all agreed to this one treaty that was basically going to say, like, look, you, you, you lose Spain and Germany, but you get to keep Italy, Holland, and Belgium. They all agreed to that for France, but England wouldn't. England was like, no. You have to go back to your what your borders were in like 1791 before he ever became consul. I mean, but yeah, they they like uh, they despised him. He desp- I mean, it's England and France. They you know I mean, it, of course they despise each other. But I think a lot of it is just you know the typical like English anti-Catholic, anti-French propaganda. I did not know he was Italian. I learned something today. Yeah, he was Corsican. He was Corsican. So Corsica was bought by France, was actually bought by their king. It's an island um, in the Mediterranean. It was bought by the king of France to become like a French property, and it got incorporated into France. But he actually had proof that he um, was the descendant of Florentine nobles. So he actually hailed from nobles from Florence so yeah he did not he spoke French but it was like always like he was made fun of for this like his his accent was was you know he had a very bad accent he spoke French with a Corsican accent but yeah he was he was Italian thank you for the history lesson I'll talk to you next week all right love you love you see you bye
Give me one more night. 